week in uh, Psalm 73. Uh, I'm always a, a little more ready for doing a title and things when the series is over, but uh, you know, so getting your head on straight just seemed to fit when I started it. But the broader perspective, uh, I don't always like to break up a passage, and Psalm 73 is a great one uh, to do all together. Um, I don't always like to break it up into several sermons, but I don't think any of us were ready for a three-hour sermon. Um, you know, it, it takes me long enough to prepare these shorter ones. And some of you are thinking, shorter ones? Dude. Uh, anyway, uh, two weeks ago, we looked at the first 12 verses. You know, you might want to turn there now. You can turn to Psalm 73. Uh, we're going to look at it. Uh, go over a little bit of, of what uh, we've already done. It's on page 528 in the Pew Bible, if that's what you're using. Uh, but two weeks ago, we looked at the first 12 verses, and we saw that uh, we really need to watch who we're watching. You know, because who you're watching is having an effect on your life, in your life, and through your life. You may not uh, like that. You may not even realize it, but uh, you need to know that, that that is what's happening. We need to be uh, very careful about who we're watching, particularly those we would like to be like. Uh, I say what we think, you know, what, what we think we would like to be like, because we really only see what they want us to see. When we're looking at other people, we're really only seeing what they want us to see. Everyone has a burden. We simply do not always see their burden. We see the good parts, and we think we would like to be like those good parts, at least what we define as good parts. And we need to be very careful because when we, are, when we begin to work toward what we perceive to be their position, when we begin to work toward what we perceive to be where they're at, when we begin to do that, uh, too often we end up leaning away from God. That's what the words in verse 2 there mean where he says, My feet almost slipped and my steps nearly went astray. Those words that are translated, that are translated slipped and astray, it, it gives a picture of leaning away from God. Uh, you know, that there, that we, you know, there's that, that less influence and we're tending, you know, we're leaning towards something else, someone else, or, you know, and, and leaning away from God. Notice what he says. He almost leaned away from God. He says, because he envied the arrogant, he desired the prosperity of the wicked. Two types of people that you never want to use as your model, uh, the, uh, you know, listed right there for you. The arrogant, you don't want to use them as your model. Those are those who are calling attention to all they have done and even all they have done in a sinful way. And, and they are proud of that. They are proud of, you know, the, the, of their sinful way in which they go about life, in which they go about living, uh, you know, whatever it is. The other one, he says, and the wicked... Wicked meaning those who are opposed to God. And again, often they're proud of that too. You know, they're, they're opposed to God. They often frame it as independence or, you know, just simply self-reliance. I'm simply, I'm living my own way, uh, you know, and then I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm living my own way. I'm living my own truth. There is only, you know, something's true or it's not true. There is not your truth and my truth. There's truth, Period. You know, you may be living your preferences, but that doesn't make it true. Just a thought for you there. Uh, you know, I, I, and I've had people, 
I've had people tell me, you know, when I've sat down to discuss things with them, and as we're discussing things and I point out, you know, what the Word of God says, and I've actually had people uh, leave my office and tell me no one's going to tell me how to live. Dangerous place to be in. You know, no one's going to tell me how to live. You know, and I, I got to be me. You know, I, I mean, I just, I, ha, I have to be me. You know, this is, these are some of the things, some of the excuses that are leading people straight to hell. Um, if you missed that sermon, you know, you can listen online. Uh, it'll help you with the flow through this. Let's pray. We're going to get into the verses for today. Father, thank you for your word and truth. Thank you for your patience with us because sometimes we're stupid. We do dumb things. We, we follow the wrong stuff. We envy the wrong people. We lean away from you sometimes. We don't want to do that. We want to lean into you. We want to walk with you. We, we, don't, we don't want to wander. Uh, Father, guide us as we look into your word, your truth. This which you've given us to help us in life. This which you've given us to help us know life and what life really is. Uh, so teach us that your spirit would minister within the heart of each person here. You know what they're facing. I don't. You know what they're wrestling with. You know what it is they need. Make your word real in each heart here today, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Now my plan is to cover verses 13 through 20 this week. You see there on the screen, that's my plan. Uh, next week, finish with verses 21 through 28. Um, after that, uh, well, actually, after that, the, the first Sunday in February, we're going to, the service is going to be just a little different. It's communion service, <clears throat> and we're going to do communion at the end of the service because of the, uh, excuse me, <coughs> there we go. Uh, the Burmese ch- group is going to join us for communion. Uh, their pastor and I have been talking. We just thought it would be a great thing if we could do communion together. So at the end of that service, uh, on, and, uh, in February, whatever the first date is, uh, we're going to put, we're going to move communion to the end of the service and do communion together. I just think it's going to be a neat uh, celebration. But then after that, I think uh, at this point I'm leaning and getting into Ecclesiastes. I know it's a book most of you have worked on memorizing. But today, uh, Psalm 73, uh, beginning with verse 13, let's just do verse 13, 14 to start with. He said, Did I purify my heart? And wash my hands in innocence for nothing? For I am afflicted all day long and punished every morning. Now remember, this flows right from the admission there that he found himself envying the life that he thought the wicked had. You know, he, he, uh, he said, you know, that I envied, I envied the arrogant, the wicked. I envied these people. And he just got done saying that this is, you know, he, he realized this is what he has been doing. You know, he thought that those who were opposed to God had it easy. He thought that those who were opposed to God, that their life was more desirable. You know, that that, that, that would be fun. Now, just let me give you some encouragement. Don't ever regret doing the right thing. Don't ever regret that. I got a text from someone this week and they told me what a lousy father they'd been. 
and uh, that they want to change. You know, it's never too late to do the right thing. It's never too late to start doing the wrong thing. So you've been messing up, guess what? Start doing the right thing. Start, don't, and don't ever regret doing the right thing. Don't ever regret following God. Don't ever regret choosing to live for God. Don't ever regret that. Don't ever regret choosing to live for Him. You know, that, that's, that, that is what we should be doing. You know, and really the two choices are living for God or opposing God. Now, ignoring God falls into that category. You know, ignoring God falls into the category of opposing Him. And those are really the only two choices in life. You're either going to, you're going to live for Him or you're going to oppose Him. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've told you before, I have never regretted following God. Never. I've never regretted following Him. I have never regretted being guided by His Word. You know, I have never regretted living for him rather than myself. I have never regretted choosing God rather than the world. Now, no, it has not always been easy. It has not always been an easy choice. Uh, sometimes I, I might feel like I'm missing out on some of the fun. I don't, as, I don't anymore like I used to. Um, The Bible tells us the pleasures of sin last but a moment. We focus on last but a moment. Here's the problem. We forget that the first part of the verse warns us the pleasures of sin. You just want to do what feels good, you may find yourself in the midst of sin. You just want to do what everybody else is doing, you may find yourself in the midst of sin. You may say, well, I, 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 you know, I didn't have any regrets. The pleasures of sin last but a moment. Sometimes we think we're, you know, we, we think we're missing out on some fun. But I have always found, I have always found that living for God is more satisfying. It is a deeper satisfaction. It is a certainly a long-lasting satisfaction. Uh, it's a much longer-lasting satisfaction than what the world has to offer. Don't ever regret choosing to live for God. Don't ever regret that. And don't ever be deceived into thinking you know, that it is not a good thing to follow God. Don't ever be deceived to thinking that it is not a good thing to live for God. If you find yourself believing that lie, repent of it, you know, really, and, and come to God with an open heart and full obedience. Come to Him, you know, with that open heart, you know, Lord, here's where I've been. I don't want that. I, what I want, what I want is You. You know, life is really much better when God's the leader and I'm the follower. It really is. It really is much better when he's the leader and I'm the follower. You know, not that I make my own, my own plan, my own ways, my own thoughts and my own goals and say, God, now bless me as I pursue what I want. You know, I found that life is just much, it's much better when I, when, when I am following God. When he leads and I follow. Do all you can. Do all you can to keep your heart clean before God. Did I purify my heart and wash my hands in innocence 
for nothing. Do all that you can to keep your heart clean before God, not before the standards of men. That's not what we're talking about. It's not before the standards of men. It's not before your own feelings or desires. You know, I, I remember one of the, you know, when I was just, uh, because, well, I don't think I was a Christian yet, actually. And, uh, but I was in Bible study, and I remember we were, uh, a lot of people were sick and stuff, and so we, and it ended up the Bible study was just uh, Randy, my, uh, Randy, my sister, and myself that day. Uh, Jenny was one of them who was sick, and uh, I, I don't even remember what it was we were studying, but I remember saying to Randy, well, doesn't the Bible say to thine own self be true? It was King James. I thought certainly. I thought certainly it was in the Bible. It was King James. Randy looked at me and said, I think that's Shakespeare, you know. <laughs> We, we, you see, we come up with all these goofy things that, that, you know, that, that we think, and sometimes we think what's in the Bible. You know, if you read your Bible, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but you read your Bible, you'll know what's in the Bible. You know, uh, you, you know the, the whole truth there, and, and, you know, it's the standard, you know, you keep your heart clean before God. It's not my own feelings and desires. That's not what it's about. And it's not in thinking, well, I'm not as bad as... I was going to say Jeff, but that would be rude. You know, I'm, not as, I'm not as bad as, you know, whoever. Pick out whoever it is. You know, we say, I, I, I'm not. You can always find somebody worse than you. Attila the Hun could find somebody worse than him, for crying out loud. You can always find somebody worse than you. You know, that, that's not the goal. That's not the standard. The goal and the standard is not to find out that you're better than so-and-so. You know, that, that, that's not what you're working for. The verse says to a, a pure, clean heart before God. That's the standard we should be aiming for. Don't settle for less. Don't settle for less. It's that it, it's it's you know that I purify my heart, wash my hands, and it, it's before God. You know, two weeks ago I told you that sometimes the Psalms, you know, we come across things set in frustration or anger you know, or hurt, we see, you know, we see misunderstandings of God's person and care, rantings and ravings. Uh, verse 14 is one of those places. For I am afflicted all day long and punished every morning. You will experience God's patience and love long before you ever experience affliction and punishment from Him. You will experience His forgiveness and love long before you ever find yourself suffering from affliction and punishment from Him. Peter wrote, he said, The Lord does not delay His promises, some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. We apply this, and we like to apply this to those who don't know Christ yet. And I do think that is a legitimate application. Who is Peter writing to? Christians. What does the verse say? He is patient with you. His erring, wandering, sinful people. He is patient with you. Why? Because he doesn't want... You know, the, the, the whole picture, the whole reality here. You know, he, he, will, 
he will patiently re- lead you to repentance rather than burn your toast. You see, he's not out. He's not out. You know, you know he's not out to smoke your ham. He is look at. He is looking for you to walk with him. He is looking for you to to be able to leave that sinful life behind and to be able to walk with him. Why? Because that's where real life is found. He wants you to see and understand and know that the world is not for you. But he is. He wants us to know these truths. He wants us to know him, to grow in him, to grow in understanding him, to grow you know, in what it means to live our new life in him. But also realize he won't put up with foolishness forever. 1 Corinthians 11, if we were properly evaluating ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we're disciplined by the Lord. So we may not be condemned with the world. He wants your repentance. He wants you to do well. If you're trying to do well, He is not going to to afflict you and punish you every morning. If you're trying to do well, He is going to do all He can to help you do well. If you're trying to leave sin behind, He is there and ready to help you to leave that sin behind. If you're trying to live for Him, He is going to help you to live for Him. If you say, I'm going to live for Him, and then you just indulge your own self, properly evaluating yourselves you'll not be judged but when you are judged we're disciplined by the Lord so that you won't keep being an idiot it's a loose translation so that you won't continue being foolish so that you won't be condemned with the world the world that system that opposes God (coughs) those who reject God God will correct us, you know, when we continue in sin and foolishness. But his goal is not punishment. Notice his goal is our restoration. That is his goal, our restoration. A couple more verses. Verse 15. If I had decided to say these things aloud, I would have betrayed your people. When I tried to understand all this, it seemed hopeless. Now, he's ta- he, you know, here he's talking about you know, complaining, and our, our complaining really gives a false impression. It gives an inac- our complaining gives an inaccurate view of God. You know, when, when we're complaining, very often our, our com- very often our complaining is unfounded and very me-centered. See, it's all about me, and we're complaining because I didn't get what I want because I uh, it gets very me-centered you know and what we do when we complain often is we're looking for someone to, to agree with our distorted view of things so we can feel a little bit justified we're looking for that sympathy so we can feel a little bit justified as you know that well it's really okay you know you're, you're really not that bad you know look for answers rather than sympathy Okay, look for answers from God rather than sympathy. Look to see what God has to say rather than looking for sympathy from someone else. You know, look for what God has to say rather than someone else to sit in in the pool of 
I was going to say a poop with you, but that's, maybe we shouldn't say that. But it's to sit in that mess with you rather than sitting in the mess with you and rather telling you, you know, oh, it's okay, don't worry, you're really good. No, if you're not being good, don't, don't look for somebody to tell you that. You know, Look for answers rather than sympathy. Now, if, you know, as he's writing here, as the psalmist is writing, you know, if he had broadcast his doubts and struggles before coming to a solution, he would have spread doubt. Why? Because he was sharing his misunderstandings of what God was doing. You see, sometimes when we're complaining about God, what we're doing is we're sharing our misunderstandings of what God is doing of what God is actually doing. And this is, what, this is what was going on with him here. You know, now, we do the same thing when we think of, of, of you know, how hard we think we have it. When we, think of, when we share with how, how unfair God has been to us, now we would never use those words, but clearly we leave that impression on people. Because our complaining says God is not loving our complaining says, you know, that he is uncaring. Our complaining says that he is not out for our good. What this amounts to really is sharing our feelings is facts. When we're complaining about God, we're sharing our feeling as facts, and, and that's not the reality of it. When we're struggling to understand what's going on, we need to exercise great caution before we make any definitive statements. When we're struggling to understand what's going on, we need to exercise great caution before we make any of these definitive statements. It seems the only definitive statement that we should make is, I don't understand what's going on. And you know what? It's okay to say that. And it's okay to say, I don't understand this. And we need to admit that sometimes. Sometimes we need to admit that. Why? Because that turns our face more towards God than it does toward our problem. I don't understand what's going on. And we begin to turn to God then for that solution. Now, that's a truthful statement. I don't understand what's going on. You know, that, that's a truthful statement there. Now, we stopped reading in the middle of a sentence, so let's go back, pick up again with verse 16. He says, When I tried to understand all this, it seemed hopeless until I entered God's sanctuary. Then I understood their destiny. A big Change comes there in verse 17. He starts the psalm saying that God is indeed good to the pure in heart. You know, that God's good to the pure in heart. He says his faith was almost shipwrecked as he saw what he felt what was the success of the arrogantly wicked. And he begins to compare himself to what it seemed they had. And he let envy take root and cause discontent in what he saw as unfairness by God. Now, you should know by now, you know, those of you who've been here with me for, you know, a, a little bit, you should know by now that fair has absolutely nothing to do with life. And the sooner you realize that, and the sooner you grab a hold of that, the better your life is going to be. Fair has nothing to do to do with life. And it has nothing to, to, do, to do with living. It's not fair that Christ would go to the cross for your sins. You want fair? You don't want fair. Trust me. You do not want fair. 
You want the grace of God. And fair has nothing to do with life. And when we begin to look at life and say, you know, that, that this isn't fair. And we end up here where, you know, he feels God was picking on him like God was against him. You know, even though he felt like he was trying to do the right thing, even though he felt like he was trying to be faithful to God, he looked and he saw and he realized, he's, you know, God, this, you're being mean to me, God. Oh, man. I mean, then he noticed, he realizes his tunnel vision. He realizes the narrowness of his understanding. Verse 17, until, you know, he said, I tried to understand all this. It seemed hopeless until he realized he had an incomplete perspective here. He realized it was incomplete until I entered God's sanctuary. What you have here is instead of walking away from God, he intentionally, purposefully, deliberately pursued God. Instead of walking away when he was frustrated, he he instead begins to intentionally, very purposefully begins to pursue God. He entered God's sanctuary because he knew that God's way was the only way to turn. He knew that God was the only trustworthy direction that he could turn to. He was the only trustworthy direction, you know, that he would get would come from God. You want your head on straight? You know, you want to find direction, you want to find answers, you want to find understanding and comfort, intentionally meet with God and his people. Intentionally meet with God and his people. God's sanctuary is where others pursuing God would meet as well. You see, he went there because not only did he know and feel that's where God would be, but he was going there and that's where other, God, uh, God, uh, other people pursuing God were as well. You know, you know the, the, ministry, the ministry of the body is crucial. It is crucial to right thinking and right living. The ministry of the body to one another, it is absolutely crucial in that, in right thinking and right living. You know, God made us to be complete together. He never intended for us to be alone. Never intended for us to be alone. At the very beginning, he said, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. It is not good. And so he, get, he makes a helper suitable for him. When he established, you know, when he established the church in Ephesians chapter four, he says, "But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into Him who is the head. From Him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part." Don't simply don't simply intentionally meet with God and his people. Don't, don't stop there. You don't, you know, you, that, that's not where it stops. Notice what the verse says. You, know, it, 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 you participate. You're active. You're, contri- you're an active contributing part of the body. It's building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. Each individual part. Doing something. There's a little cotter pin about this long that is crucial part of your automobile. 
it keeps the big nut that holds the whole front wheel assembly where your tire is bolted and that there's a nut that holds that on and then they put this cotter pin through there. And that cotter pin keeps this nut from backing off. Because if that nut backs off, there goes the wheel. And as you're flying down the highway, cruising on down the highway, uh, as, you're flying on, <laughs> as you're flying down the highway, and that cotter pin is, that little cotter pin, and the wheels, the wheels literally come off the cart. You may think sometimes, what can I do? I, I, I don't know enough. I can't do enough. I, we come up with all these excuses for not doing what God says we should do. You know, that, that it, the proper working of each individual part. And I can remember, I can remember when Barb, you know, had her strokes and then, uh, you know, when, when she got hit and, you know, wasn't able to come anymore. And she sent me a message and she said, but I can still pray. And sent a card. Anybody, anybody here, anyone besides me ever get a card from Barb? The easier question is who never received a card from Barb. Um, You know, it, it, from him, the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for the building of itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. You may be the cotter pin that keeps the wheels on the cart. He, he's, you know, he's, he's. Don't, don't simply intentionally, you need to intentionally meet with God and his people, but don't stop there. Participate. Be an active, contributing part of what he says. Now notice what happens, you know, as he intentionally met with God and his people. Verse 16, he says, when I tried to understand all this, it seemed hopeless until I entered God's sanctuary. Then, then, I understood their destiny. He realized that the arrogant and the wicked that he was envying, he realized those people he was envying were lost. That these people they were envying were without a relationship with God. He realized their true place. They were lost. You know, they may seem to have it all together, but they're on their own. They're on their own. You know, they, they may seem to have a lot now, but it's going to count for nothing. And this is what verses 18 through 20 tell us. What, what's there is going to count for nothing. Look what he says. Indeed, you put them in slippery places. You make them fall into ruin. How suddenly they become a desolation. How suddenly they become a desolation. They come to an end, swept away by terrors, like one waking from a dream. Lord, when arising, you will despise their image. You see, when judgment comes, when that comes, they will have to answer for themselves. Why? Because they rejected God. 
I don't want your help, God. And so what happens then is God gives them what they asked for. I don't want your help, God. And so they get what they've asked for. That separation from God. That eternal separation from God. Their earthly position, their earthly possessions will count for zip. Zero. Nada. Zilch. Dung is part of the words that are used in Scripture to explain it. Notice what he says. It's like one waking from a dream. They will realize that all of this they had wasn't real. They will realize there is no lasting substance in all that they've amassed. That all they've put together, that there's nothing of value there. God is not looking to see how you did in accumulating stuff. He is not going to look to see what you did in accumulating things. He doesn't care how high you were promoted at work. It will count for nothing to Him. Your bank account will not impress Him. Philippians, Paul writes, whatever gain I had, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth. Because all I had, he says, because of everything I had, there is the surpassing worth. There is this much greater worth. All this stuff that I thought was, you know, that I needed to have to make my life complete, I found that there is something that surpasses all of that, he says. The surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. The word there is, is dung. Just... It's the more polite translation. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Not in this stuff, but that my worth and value won't be in this stuff, but that my worth and value, my goals, what I'm shooting for, will be found in Him, will be found in Christ. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness of God. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. When you have questions, when you have doubts, work to look at the broader perspective. By that I mean when you're wondering about things, work to look for God's perspective. Look for His perspective. Stop viewing challenges from only your own perspective. Stop viewing life by how you think it affects you. Stop making determinations based on partial human perspective. Never, never regret choosing to live for God. Don't ever regret choosing to live for Him. When you don't understand what's happening, look for answers, not sympathy. Don't look for somebody worse than you. Look for answers. Look to God and what He has to say. Intentionally meet with God and His people, but I don't want to. Intentionally meet with God and His people, but I'm Intentionally meet with God and His people. It's essential. And you will begin to more clearly see the broader perspective. You will begin to more clearly see... God's perspective. Work to see from God's perspective. Let's pray together.
Father, thank you for your word and truth, which helps us to see and to understand you. And man, we really need that. We really need. We get so caught up. We get so wound up in what's going on in this world. We get so wound up in bills and haves and have-nots and this. Oh, Lord, guide us once again into your presence. Help us to spend that time with you. Help us to understand the destiny of those around us so that we might be able to speak the truth with our words, speak the truth with our living, that it'll be for you. Continue to clarify our understanding of you, our understanding of this world in light of you, Help us more and more to see things from your perspective and not our distorted perceptions of things. We need that. I thank you for this body and the way they have helped me see things and the way we have and do minister to one another. I thank you for their involvements in serving because they want to serve you and we reap the benefits. Father, don't ever let us buy the lie of the devil that we don't matter. We matter so much you gave your son. We matter so much, Jesus said, you went to the cross. Thank you for calling us. Don't ever let us wander, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.